Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's your voice and your vote. Daily in-depth coverage on Dave and Dujanovic. We've been asking you to think about this all week long. Who's been influencing your vote? Yeah, is it family members? Is it the debates? Well, today we're looking at social media and the incredible popularity of conservative commentators. This was shocking news to former ABC News anchor Ted Koppel. Uh, you're, you're kind of leaving me speechless here. <laughs> really? Ted Koppel speechless? In TV and radio, uh, we have something you all know as ratings. <laughs> We've been use, using Nielsen ratings for decades. Ever. Um, I'm trying to remember. I got in the business in 88, 89, and I'm pretty sure we were using that service in Phoenix when I was uh, first in the business. We track ratings. We track shares. So the share is, you know, how much of the audience who has their television on is actually watching a particular station. For example, the Super Bowl had a 41.7 rating. That's 100 million viewers. 70% of all TVs were tuned into that game. That's the share. That means of every television in the country that is on, 70% of them are watching the Super Bowl. And that's the biggest television event of the year. Nothing else comes close. But then you turn to the web. The web measures how much attention we pay to a particular um, post by page views. And then social media um, measures what's called interactions. Yeah, and interaction is every time you like something, you heart it, comment, you share it. That's an interaction. So in the social media world, interactions reign supreme. So let's go back to Ted Koppel and why he was so speechless. There's a New York Times columnist who was interviewing Ted and and broke the news to him that conservative social media is dominating the networks online. And you're telling me that, that they have more people coming to them then collectively come to ABC News, NBC News, CBS News, New York Times, Washington Post. Spell that out for me. Where are they going? So there's a right-wing commentator named Ben Shapiro. He's very popular among conservatives. And in the last 30 days on his Facebook page, he's gotten 51.4 million interactions. That's more than five times as many as the New York Times. And it's more than CBS CNN, um, NBC, ABC combined. Uh, you're, you're kind of leaving me speechless here. The, the old guard is trying to wrap their heads around this. Social media plays such a huge role 
in people and their politics. And that's what we're asking is, who's influencing your vote? Well, if you're on social media, it's the conservatives. Speaking of Ben Shapiro, Jason Perry, you're with us? Hi, I'm with Hi, you, yeah. director of... see what's coming next. <laughs> yeah, close your eyes. Here we go, Jason. You're the director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Great debate last week, by the way, up at the University of Utah. Great job on that with the the vice presidential candidates in town. And speaking of Ben Shapiro, three years ago, he visited the U of U campus. Bottom line is that without the belief that there is a purpose to the universe, without a belief that there is a purpose to your life, without a belief that you have the capacity to make individual choices, it's very difficult to build a civilization. By difficult, I mean impossible. And that was three years ago, Jason. Uh, Shapiro visits the campus. He was popular then, but now. I mean, he's the social media version of Rush Limbaugh. Uh, what was it like when he came? Well, th- there was a segment of, of campus in the community that, that liked the message. There was a, a very distinct section of the campus that did not like it either. Uh, but that's just kind of the nature of politics right now. You just kind of find both sides. It was controversial w- when he came. Uh, of course, um, all thoughts are, are welcome, mostly at the University of Utah as we think about that. But what you're saying is exactly right, is uh, these kind of speakers, particularly right now, have power because it's all about – confirmation bias. The people that are liking these particular people are being fed a constant diet of it. You look at social media, it it knows what you like to eat, and it just feeds you time and time again. I think that's why you're seeing polarized um, figures on both sides getting huge followings. I want to get into what I read yesterday. It was a Forbes article about the influence that Snapchat has. Um, I have Snapchat on my phone, uh, and I have exactly two followers, and both of them are my daughters. Um, but the, Snapchat is huge uh, in the minds of young people, and they use it all the time. They have helped, apparently, this app, Jason, has helped register over a million people, most of them under the age of 24. So when you talk about what's influencing your vote, you're also talking about who's or what app is influencing young people to get out to vote. Who does that help? Uh, in this election? Well, if you look at the numbers right now, if you have a whole lot of really young voters, this tends to help the the Democrats is the reality right now. Uh, And, you know, you you kind of have to look at what what, what sites people are using. And the Snapchat is great for registering to people to vote. Um, What I hope is that next step, and we've talked about it together before, is they're, they're supporters and people are finding people they identify with and support. But do they turn in that ballot? That is the next thing that is absolutely important, and it goes to the messages that they're hearing right now. But I think there's bigger picture at play as to what's motivating people to show up and vote as well in this particular election cycle. And it is not just because they saw something on Snapchat. They've spent uh, across the country all combined over a billion dollars on digital ads. The presidential candidates have spent over $200 million just on Facebook. Uh, does that... Show us a little bit of the trend of of where that money is going to be spent or the power of social media in elections. Yeah, there is a huge amount of power in social media, no doubt about it. And what social media is capitalizing, capitalizing on right now is that people in the country, I'll tell you, families and others are at a breaking point. Uh, when, they, when you look at what's happened with uh, with the pandemic and the, the the tentacles that go out into the economy and the other things, I think what social media is capturing is this one point right here: is we have come to realize 
that the decisions for the most important things in our lives, our jobs, the ability for our family to eat, even if we can get a vaccine, are all being made, those decisions are all being made by someone else. For such a long time, we felt like, well, we're pretty much in control of our lives. We make these big decisions for ourselves. But what's become very real is that someone else is making these most important decisions for us. And, and social media, as you've been talking about, is capturing that fact. They're playing on some of the fears, some of the opportunities. But that, that uncertainty, the, the, the sleeping giant that is, that is awakened right now, is what is feeding these machines. And these machines are trying to find those people. Jason, just we have about 30 seconds left. I guess my concern is not necessarily, I mean, it is certainly the amount of money that's being spent on social media, but not necessarily just that, um, but also just random posts from friends of mine who really aren't that educated, but tend to be a little bit of conspiracy theorists in how they are posting. And I think that's also a potential to influence votes. You are absolutely right. And it is. And that is a way uh, people try to get you to kind of come to that side, whatever it is. And, you know, I I can appreciate the fact that people uh, are are getting their meat from these places. They're feeding on these conspiracies. But I'll tell you what we've got to do. Sometimes we've got to eat the vegetables, too. You know, we've got to get the other side. We've got to put those (laughs) things aside, get to the heart of these things. Jason Perry, thank you so much for joining us, the director uh, at the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Uh, Debbie, it's astounding. The money that's spent, the uh, really the change, though, I thought that was fascinating, the change in the way people are consuming their news. Uh, instead of going to the, the big networks, as has been the case for decades and decades, they're going out and choosing who they want to follow, and it's more individuals than networks. Much more straight ahead in the 10 o'clock hour, including a live interview with UVU and how they managed to tamp down the COVID spike on campus. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.